Romans chapter 12. Thank you again to this awesome worship team. You guys did a phenomenal job. Thank you so much. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And do not fall asleep on me thinking that, oh, I already know all this. I've heard this scripture many times. God wants to do something new in your life. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves, your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God be not conformed but be transformed. You got two options. You don't have three. You don't have five. You don't have ten. You've got two. You can either be conformed or you can be transformed. By how the renewing, the renovation of your mind, which helps you begin to find the will of God. You can't find the will of God in conforming. You find the will of God in transforming. And today I declare that there will be lives that will be transformed. There will be minds that will be transformed. There will be hearts that will be transformed. There will be minds that will be delivered. There will be hearts. Oh, you don't believe it. There will be hearts that will be delivered. Today we are destroying the disguise. I want you to say destroying the disguise. We're destroying the disguise so we can be transformed by the renewing, the renovation of our mind. Lift your hands as you go to your seat and thank him again for his great presence that's in this place. Oh, God, I feel faith. I feel faith in this house. And I believe that anybody that wants to be transformed, anybody that wants to be changed, will be changed in Jesus' name. In our world right now, you are hearing more than ever before the need for, as they call it, transformation. You hear the word change used pretty much on most political slogans. You hear the word change. We want change. There's a cry going out in the world for change. They want change. They want something to be different because they know something's not right. They know that something's just not clicking. They know something is just not where it's supposed to be or where the creator destined for it to be. Change is all over marketing ads. The makeup industry is almost worth 400 billion dollars and that only really involves usually one gender typically 400 billion dollars i want to change myself i want to change my look we got digital marketing ads where you look at somebody it's not even who they really are because they've got photoshop that makes them skinnier makes them their face skinnier makes them look different different hair color somebody wakes up and says i want green hair today i want blue hair today i want change i feel the holy ghost already we're just getting started i'm here to deal with the lie and the delusion of lying to you what change looks like my god I need a new job. I need to transition jobs. Not happy where I am. Not making enough money. I don't like my coworkers. I want to change my job. I want to change my boyfriend or my girlfriend. Because they don't make me happy anymore. Climate change. You laugh, but it's all they talk about. 
trying to change and help things from disintegrating or going chaotic. Transgender change. The world talks all about change. But if you pay attention, the only thing they're changing is the outside. I changed my job. I changed my spouse. I ain't changing mine. I like mine. Oh, she's feeding the baby or something. I don't see her. I'm going to tell her I said that because I got to get some points for that. That was smooth. Mom Philippeck, tell Melissa I did that. Thank you. Add into my love bank. We, wanna, we, we want change. The world is crying out for change. And they don't even know what they're crying out for. They know they need change. They know they need it. They're begging for it. They're paying for it. Thousands of dollars for it. But they're still broken. They're still angry. They're still hurting. They're still lonely. They're still crying at night. You think that something that changes you, even physically, you know this big movement? Can I just talk? I, I don't, I'm going to just be real, okay? I mean, can I be? Is that all right? Well, even if it's not, I'm going to be real because you got to be real. You're getting fed lies all day. Let me tell you the truth. The, the transgender movement has a 40%, 40%, look it up, suicide attempt rate. I didn't say thinking about suicide. I said attempting suicide. 80%, this is, this is not out of the Bible, folks. This is from the, this is from the psychologists. 80% think about it. Eight out of every ten that want change and try to change something physically are still hurting and angry. And so angry that they're like, you know what? I tried all these types of change and it's not doing anything. I'm just going to end my life. There's a cry for change. God loves those people. Every single one of them. He loves them so much he wants them to know the world can't really make you feel any better. The world can't really help you. Only thing the world can do is try to make you think you're better. But the statistics and the reality prove they're still hurting, they're still broken, they're still angry. You can go on vacation and change your environment and you're still the same person. You can change churches, hello? You can change churches and you're still just as bad off as you were before you changed. Because even in religion, we put it on. Even in religion, we wear it and we try to change it on the outside as long as it doesn't get on the inside. Because the way this works, the way that the creator created us, the one who made the DNA, the one who created the laws and the principles that made you. You got to go back to the creator because he's the one that made you the creation. So anytime you try to go outside the creator, you're going to be left broken. When you want a new iPhone, you go back to the one that made it in the first place. When you want a new Ford truck, you go back to the one that made it in the first place. These iPhones have laws and Systems that were created by Apple, the creator of Apple, right? The, the, those who designed the iPhones. And those iPhones are going to work as long as those laws are working properly, right? Hello? Okay. But, <laughs> oh, Jesus, I'm starting, to, I'm starting to get off a little bit. But, you know, it's so funny. Some of you going to resonate with this. It, it, can I just take a rabbit trail? It's so funny how those creators of these iPhones, then they got these brilliant software updates that are supposed to make my phone faster. They make my phone worse, slower. Want to know why? They want you to buy a new one. There's a lot of imperfect creators out there. They put a life expectancy on a vehicle for a reason. They want you to buy another one. They put a life expectancy on a car. They want you to buy another one. 
But there's a difference between you and me and those who create cars and the cars themselves, the products. There's a big difference. That phone doesn't have a will. That car doesn't have a will. The phone can get a virus. It can mess up the code. It has a life expectancy. It begins to die because it's, it's not perfect. It's not, you know, it, it, it's not made in perfection. Your vehicle is not going to last forever, but as long as it's hitting on all cylinders, the combustion, it's all working, it's going to work well because there's laws to make that thing work. And everything that's created works because it follows principles and code within that product to make it work. You have a creator who's got principles and laws on how you're created, but the difference is you have a will. The difference is you have a will. You have the ability to reject the laws that God has given you to have a life of peace, a life of joy, and a life of hope. You have the ability to reject that because God gave you free will. So we think because we have free will, we can act as creator. We think we can do what we want, act the way we want, go where we want, and have no chaos. And then we, the world puts these terms on things like success means more money. Success means somebody knows your name. Success means you've got a big family. You have all these things around you, but still chaos inside of you. Because when the creator gets involved in your life and you really let him make you new, you really let those principles work in you, there's peace. There's joy. There's hope. There's righteousness. Every single one of those words that I use are not able to be counterfeited. They can try to be. They cannot be recreated. Peace. He said, I'm the prince of peace. Peace is a spiritual condition. It's a spiritual condition. You can try it from a bottle, but it's not really peace. It's called an escape. You can try it from a substance. It's not really peace. It's an escape. You're numbing yourself. Oh, hallelujah. You're not hearing me. Oh, I feel revel. I feel the spirit of revelation in this place. The world cannot give you anything that truly changes you and gives you true peace, true joy, true righteousness, i.e. innocence. It can't give it. It didn't create it. The only one that can give it is the one that created it. Oh, hallelujah. The only one that can give you what came originally from them is the one that actually created it and created you. I'm going slow because you got to catch this. This could change your life if you begin to understand that that Bible is the principles from the almighty creator who created you. That is the answer to peace, joy, hope, righteousness, and the love, agape love of God. When you begin to understand that and you begin to actually live it, you begin to actually walk in it and receive it. Oh, Jesus. The world can only give you a facade. The world can only give you something that looks like what it's really not. That's why people in Hollywood, everybody knows their name. They've got more money than all of us put together. They've got so much money, so much fame. Everybody knows their name. Everybody in the de definition of the world, they've been changed into a success. But they still commit suicide. They still got eight different marriages. They still got 10 kids with 10 different people. They're still broken. They're still got nothing going for them internally because only the creator can give what the world can't give. The world can't give it. Only the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings. It comes from the one that actually created it. Romans 8, chapter 19 through 22 says this. 
For the earnest expectation of the creation. Hear me. The creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Who? The creation. The creation, for the creation was subjected to futility, which means uselessness, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know, hear me, for we know The whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. The Apostle Paul told us 2,000 years ago that creation, anything created would be groaning, would be crying out for change, would be crying out to be made new. But the problem is people are being deceived in what is true change, what is true transformation. The people are crying out just like the Bible tells us, but they're being fed a lie. They're being fed something that doesn't really change them. They're crying out for the one true Savior who can deliver them from bondage. But the adversary sneaks in and says, let me give you this. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 11, watch this. Second Corinthians chapter 11 verse 14 says this. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. You say, wait. We're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and Satan can transform. No, I'll give you the actual Greek definition, which reveals what was actually being said. The word transform in Romans 12, when you can be renewed, transformed by the renewing of your mind, it's a totally different word than to use here talking about Satan. I'll read it in another translation. No wonder for even for even Satan disguises himself. There's a big difference between transformation and disguise. Disguises himself as an angel of light. Another version says, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Hmm. What this is talking about in disguise is it means to be cloaked, to be masked. Disguise implies a change in appearance or behavior that misleads by presenting a different apparent identity. He puts something on that resembles a different identity, but underneath the cloak, he's still a liar. Underneath the cloak, he's still a destroyer. Underneath the cloak, the Bible says the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's why the Jesus told the apostles, he said, beware of wolves that come in sheep's clothing. Because there's going to be wolves that come with one intention. That is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But they're going to be dressed as sheep so they can get closer to the sheep so the sheep can be deceived in the disguise of a wolf whose true identity is to kill and destroy. The enemy wants to destroy you. There, let me tell you something. There's a hell. There is a hell and there is a heaven. And the adversary wants nothing else but then to send you to hell. And so what he does is he tries to get you caught up more in the creation than the creator. If he can get your mind off the creator who can actually change you, who can actually make you new, who can actually deliver you from sin, then he can get you caught up in causes that will never really change your life. All these causes, all these political things. Tell you what, I'm thankful for some minimal change that happens in the world. I'm thankful for it. But if you are replacing that with the one true God, who's the only one that can actually make you new, then you will never be satisfied. You will never find a life of peace. You will never find a life of hope. Satan masquerades. He disguised himself as an angel of light. That's deception. He's content and happy, Satan is, with you wearing a cross around your neck and it hanging from your chest as long as it doesn't get into your heart. 
me say that again. He's content. The adversary, see, this is the problem. He deceives and confuses us to believe that because we go into a building with a cross on it, because we wear a cross around our neck, because we claim to be a Christian, he ain't worried about you. He's worried about you when it actually gets into your heart and actually transforms your being. Because as long as he can get you to conform, as long as he can get you to be a conforming Christian, but not a transformed one, his kingdom ain't being touched. He's still expanding and keeping people in bondage. But if it can get into the spirit of somebody, if it can get into the heart of somebody, if it can really get a hold of your mind. Miracles happen. You begin to operate in the gifts of the spirit. You begin to speak things into the atmosphere and they begin to change. You begin to operate with the one true God. You begin to see things take place that you can't experience in the natural and make happen in the natural only comes through the spirit because the creator he's got the keys to it all that's why the world is so caught up in change in hiding even we in our digital world we got all these predators hiding disguising themselves so much disguise so much hidden agenda if you look at the Greek word for that word disguise, it's actually metaschemate. Uh, I'll read it to you. It's metaschematizo, literally meaning I'm changing with a scheme that you don't know about. I'm, I'm changing my appearance, but there's a motive behind it. There's a scheme taking place. And so the adversary can dress any way he wants. He can dress like a Christian if he wants. If it's going to keep Christ from being inside of you in your heart. He can dress like major movements that aren't really saving people's souls. If you are more caught up with the creation than the creator, I'm worried about you. Romans chapter 1, watch this. Romans chapter 1. For since the creation of the world, verse 20, Romans 1, 20. For from since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. And his, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. The creation reveals the creator. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile, useless in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man into birds and four footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their own bodies among themselves. Now watch, hear me, who exchanged transaction chain they're changing hands who exchanged the truth of god for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever they exchanged the truth of god for a lie and they chose to serve the creation rather than the creator And whenever you start getting involved with worshiping, loving, spending your time, energy, and finances on the creation over the creator, you've just opened yourself up to deception. That's what the book says. There was an exchange because what happens is when the world is calling the shots, the word conform means to literally fit the pattern of. The world has a pattern. Be not conformed to this world. It has a pattern or it has a form, right? And so if you get conformed to that, even while doing good, 
it can lead you into deception because Satan himself has masqueraded, has disguised himself. Oh, I know I'm going slow, but you got to catch this before we go to the next place, because I'm telling you, God will deliver people in this place. God will set you free. But you've got to recognize I've been worshiping the creation a lot more than I've been worshiping the creator. I've been giving my time, my energy, and my finances to that which is created rather than not to the one who can actually make all things new. (laughs) Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. It's a different word than the one talking about Satan. By the renewing of your mind, that word transformed (laughs) literally means metamorpho. That's the Greek word, metamorpho, not metaschema, not with a plan underneath where it only changes the outside, changes the appearance. No, metamorpho, where there's literally a change of nature, where there's literally a divine change change where you act in one nature but then God steps in and makes you a completely another nature my God I feel the Holy Ghost metamorphosis where you begin to transition from a drunkard from a drug addict you, you begin to transition from a, 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 a abuser and you begin to walk into all things made new metamorpha literally means To change it to another form. You see, this is different. Totally different than how Satan works. You see, the Bible is a Bible of contrast. And the way that God reveals revelation is that he shows you over here how Satan works. And then he shows you over here how he works. And what he does is he so contrasts them that you've got no excuse. That you can see the writing on the wall. You can see that, man, that's God. Man, that's the adversary. He, he contrasts people. When you get to the judgment seat, you're going to be judged not according to were you a good person. You're going to be judged according to whether or not you obeyed the word of God. And he's going to flip open the book and say, now, were you obedient? Because that's what you're judged by. You're judged by the book. And so what the way that God works is he contrasts you and your life and he gives you characters in scripture who did it wrong and he gives you character in scriptures who did it right. And so he wants you to read that word to get it to your heart and spirit to know how to live and how not not to live. It's a book of contrast. So right here, he's contrasting Satan who just goes and he disguises. He puts something on to deceive you. It appears like light, but underneath it's truly great, wicked, evil darkness. But metaphorma, Metamorpho, what that's talking about is transitioning into another form. It's the same word we get when we're talking about the metamorphosis of a caterpillar to a butterfly. There are four stages that take place. First, you've got the egg. You've got the caterpillar that all they do is eat to prepare for the cocoon. Then you get the cocoon, the chrysalis or pupa. And that that caterpillar begins to transform literally into a different nature. Watch what, the, watch what they say. The larva, the caterpillar, outgrows its skin. This is from the scientists that study this stuff. It splits and it sheds, and at the end of its growth period, the caterpillar stops eating and finds a good place to molt into the next stage. It spins a small pad of silk and attaches itself to it, Hanging upside down and mobile. The, lar- the larval skin then splits one last time, revealing the pupa, which is the cocoon. Now watch. That caterpillar begins to enter into a, a death stage, if you will. Because if you're ever going to have life, you've got to first go through death. That's why the Bible says that you've got to die out to your old sins. You've got to be buried with Christ by baptism, which means you literally are going to a burial you're being buried with Christ so you can be raised to new life if you've never been baptized you don't even know what new life feels like or you've never even experienced it yet because baptism's what makes you new during the pupa during this cocoon stage 
during the stage of metamorphosis, it usually takes from two weeks to several months. The larval tissue completely, now watch this, the larval tissue completely, completely breaks down and reorganizes. The outlines of the adult features, the wings, the eyes, the tongue, the antenna, the body segments can be seen on the surface of the cocoon. You, you didn't hear me. That butterfly or that co- in that cocoon, God doesn't come and say, hey, let me go find you some wings. Let me go find you some new eyes. He takes what the caterpillar already has. He takes the tissue of what that caterpillar already is and it destroys it. He destroys it. And reorganizes it. Where that caterpillar, all he could do was walk. All he could do is, or I guess you, I don't even know what you call that. <laughs> Crawl. That's a much better way to put it. He wasn't walking. Wouldn't that be crazy? That thing just popped up and was like, uh. All he could do was crawl and eat. But through a process of transformation, he literally becomes a completely different nature where in one dimension, all he can do is crawl. In the next dimension, he can not only crawl, he can fly. And God's trying to tell you, stop telling me you need to bring all these things to me and you need to ask me for all these. No, everything that I want to do in you is already in you. I just got to break it down and I got to reorganize it so I can make you into a new creature. He said, I got to make you into a new creature. You bring me your broken situation. You bring me your alcoholic state. You bring me your addiction. You bring me everything you've got. And watch me break it down and reorganize it into something you can't do in your own strength. It comes supernaturally. You couldn't have peace. Now you got peace. You couldn't have joy. Now you got joy. You couldn't think right. You couldn't talk right. You couldn't walk right but when you got into the cocoon of the waters of baptism he said let me reorganize you oh i wish you'd give god a shout i wish you'd give god a shout shout unto god shout unto god He's talking about metamorphosis. He's talking about taking you from one nature to another. Matthew chapter 17 verse 2. It is so amazing when you see in scripture how God literally contrasts in a generic way. And how he contrasts in a very specific way. Oh, Jesus, this is so powerful. Some of you are, I'm going to tell you what some of you struggle with. Some of you struggle with the fact that you don't really believe that he can make you new. You don't really believe that he can change your entire nature and give you a new nature. You don't really believe that he can free you of an addiction. You don't really believe it. Because if you believed it, You'd act like it. You'd walk like it. You'd talk like it. You would start making the scripture a part of your life. You'd start speaking it whenever the adversary disguised comes as an angel of light or, excuse me, comes as a deceiver that says you'll never be anything. You'll never be something. You can never be changed in his deception. Let me help you with something right here. I'm going to find the runway in a se- pretty soon, but... I still feel doubt in the room because you say, oh, I've been to church. I've been believing in God. It doesn't matter. Does he have your heart? If you'd seek for me with all of your heart, then you'd find me. You've got to let him on the inside that's the only thing, way this works. If you're still holding back from God because you're still bitter, you're still dealing with a bunch of unforgiveness, you still don't love anybody, you don't want to talk to anybody, you're still dealing with holding on to your whole past, you're keeping your heart 
blocked off from God. And if he can't get in, he can't truly transform you. That's why it takes true honesty. It takes true submission and yieldedness saying, God, I screwed up. God, I I am just doing bad stuff all the time. I can't get this right. I need you. When you're honest, then God says, I can do something with that. When you walk around and try to act spiritual, God can do nothing with you. In fact, you might not even know it, but you might be wearing a different cloak. Because God's got to get on the inside. Matthew 17, verse 2 says, and he was transfigured. This, I want to give you some context. Jesus, God, manifested to the world. The infinite made finite. The God of the universe housed in that body. The man Christ Jesus walking on the earth. The appointed time, the God of the universe manifesting himself. He manifests himself to people slowly and somewhat. He'd do a miracle over here. He'd go over here and he'd read their mail. He'd go over here and he'd love on somebody and give them compassion. They began to see glimpses of the eternal God through Jesus Christ. They began to see glimpses of the infinite working among them. But Jesus says, hey, Peter, James and John, why don't you come up with me to the mountain? And they go up with him to the mountain and they have no idea what's about to happen. They're like, man, I'm just following Jesus because he's he's powerful. He's awesome. He's our we believe he's our Messiah, our savior. We think he is. We're going to follow him up the mountain. They get to the top of the mountain. This is what the scripture says. And. He was, Jesus was transfigured. The word transfigured there is metamorpho. The same word used in Romans 12, be not conformed, but be ye transformed. For those of you who don't realize why I'm using the Greek, the Bible is not written in English. It was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. And so when you begin to study the scriptures, it's important to understand what he's saying Because some of the English translation gets lost and you don't really see what he's saying. But when you begin to dig in, you begin to see, man, God is trying to show me something. He was metamorphosed in front of them. Changed into a different nature. Oh, his face, his face, his face did shine as the sun. This wasn't on the outside. This wasn't on the outside. You got to catch this. His face did shine and his raiment was made white as light. No, he did not put a more brilliant white raiment on from the inside. From the inside. I said from the inside. His face began to shine from the inside. You ain't getting it. I said from the inside. Peter, James, and John are sitting there and they start to fall to their knees because they're seeing this man, Jesus, is not only a man. He's not only a good man. He's not only a powerful man. This is God manifested in the flesh. And whenever God gets involved, he starts on the inside and he works through the outside. I said when God gets involved, he gets on the inside. There's a transformation from within. It's not a cloak you put on. It's not something you wear. It's something that happens inside of here. Oh, I'm talking about cloaks in this place. I'm talking about disguises in this place. I don't care if they're religious. I'm talking about disguises. I'm talking about cloaks that you're about to throw on the altar. And you're about to really open up your heart. And you're about to really let the same God, the same one that radiated right in front of Peter, James, and John, that revealed he was God, to get into you and really renovate. Take the garbage the mess 
the hurts, the pain, the unforgiveness that you've already got. Destroy it and reorganize it and make it something new. The world tells you the only way you're going to be changed is you go get a new one. You go get a new one. You change the outside. No, God says, I'm actually going to take what I created that was broken, and I'm going to literally make it brand new because God makes all things new. The principle is the enemy. The only way he works is on the outside. The only way that he works is by deceiving you to change the outside to act like you got peace and you know you don't. But when Jesus Christ gets involved, that's why he showed up like that. He said, I want to show you where, where the source is coming from. I want to show you where it happens. It happens inside of here. And yes, I am God manifested in flesh to wit that was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. He said, I am the infinite God in me. He's flowing out of me. I'm just a finite manifestation. Oh, we're almost there. He starts off with showing them stuff minimally. Then he shows his glory flowing out of him because it always starts on in here and comes out. He, he showed the nature change because he's got the power to do it. Because he's God. And then he goes to the cross. And we know Jesus Christ, the man Christ Jesus, dies on that cross. But you see, the Bible tells us, and this is where we also struggle with belief. We don't believe that he can deliver us. We, don't, we believe our sin is too great for him. But you got to understand this. The scripture says that the wages of sin is death. That means that the culmination of all evil, of all sin, ends in death. What that tells me is that it can't get any worse than that. Natural death, and of course, it can't get any worse than spiritual death. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and was raised from the dead... On the third day, he was doing so much more than a miracle. He was showing the world in his disciples and his apostles. I showed three of you already. The infinite's really in me. I've already showed you that, but now I'm really going to prove that I've got power. I've got power over death, hell, in the grave. And if I got power over death, I've got power over sin. If I got power over sin, I've got power over your mind. I've got power over your circumstance. I've got. You can live with your Jericho walls up is all you want. But me, I choose to be free. I choose to walk with a renovated, restored mind. Satan hates. You got to get this. We become so comfortable in religion sometimes we forget there's a devil. We become so comfortable that we will just go along with the flow and not even realize that Satan is actually beguiling us and others. That's why the scripture says right here. <laughs> Second Corinthians 11 three says, but I fear. This is Paul speaking, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds, your minds, your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. He's always beguiling. He's always deceiving. He's always coming and trying to give you a false truth, a false security, a false life. But then you wonder why there's still chaos in here. You might come to church here every Sunday, but you still got chaos in here because you didn't let the Lord. Sister Trish, you can come. You didn't let the Lord. You're not letting the Lord because the thing is, you might come and receive the Holy Ghost and get baptized in his name. And you begin to submit your heart at that point. But guess what? This is a continual submission. It's not a once in a lifetime submission. This is not just you sign up at the gym and you're continuing to pay until you cancel the membership. No, you got to keep going back to the Lord. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice every 
single day. I'm afraid that we've let the Lord, we've let the world tell us what true change is. And because the world wants change, the creation wants change, it listens to the lies of everything it hears. And don't even realize that they're following a trap that will still end up in suicidal thoughts, that will still end up in anger, bitterness. Creation groans and cries out for change, for help, restoration. You can be restored, but it starts with repentance. You can be restored, but it starts with honesty. You can be restored, but it starts with you making a decision. Saying, I'm going to let the Lord work from the inside out. I'm going to let the Lord get deep into my being. Romans 6 says this. Romans 6 says this. Since we have, Romans 6, 5, I'm reading from, I believe, the New Living Translation. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our older sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. From when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Since we died with Christ, we will know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead. He will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died... He died once to break the power of sin. And in that verse 4, it says, as many, go to verse 4, it says, as many of you that have been baptized into Christ, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even we should walk in the newness of life. It starts with the born-again experience. you got to get renewal from the creator who made the born-again experience possible because he died on the cross. He was resurrected from the grave, showing that he's got all power. Jesus Christ died, was buried, and resurrected so that you could die out through repentance, be buried with him by baptism, and be resurrected with him into new life. And once you've been gone through that born-again experience of being baptized in the name, because the name is the only name that saves, there's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. When you've applied the name to your life, the authority of the name, you become a part of his family. You now are under his power and authority. It doesn't matter how much the adversary comes to try to disguise you, to disguise himself and try to deceive you. I feel the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter how often he comes in a cloak. It might look religion at some times. It might look like a new job at other times, trying to pull you away from the kingdom. It might look like a person to marry that's going to pull you away. It doesn't, I don't know what it is, but he will try to cloak himself. He's a chameleon. He's always trying to change appearances to get you to fall. Focus on the creation rather than the creator. I'm talking about there is an authority. We're not running and shouting right now because that's not the will of God. I'm going to tell you something in the Holy Ghost. Stuff was happening and stuff and what something was happening. But the moment that God started to deal with some hearts and started dealing with the fact there needed to be a decision. We started backing up. Oh, 
This is good preaching, but... As I felt it in the Holy Ghost. We were getting somewhere, but as soon as a decision needed to be made, I felt you clam up. I felt you pull back. It's a sad, sad day when the church is more comfortable with Satan disguising himself than God transforming him. God wants to make you new. The devil has lied to you that anxiety is just a part of your family. The devil has lied to you that you're just going to be an angry person because your father was an angry person. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God can reorganize your spirit. God can reorganize your mind and make you new. But you've got to have faith. You've got to make a decision. You've got to say, I'm sick and tired of falling into the deception. I'm sick and tired of being in chaos. If you fall in love with chaos and you live in the cycle, that's why all these people in the world are stuck in cycles because a cycle is never really changing you. It's just a constant numbness. It's a constant needing it again because I just lost the effect from before. So I keep staying in the cycle because Satan is disguised in the cycle. Break free. Break free. Be renewed. Go to a place that you've never been before where God literally changes your spirit. It's time, I feel the Holy Ghost. It's time for you to walk with a new nature. It's time for you to walk with a new nature. But God is not going to make you go into a new nature, submit to a new nature. It's because he's given you a decision. You're not an iPhone. You're not an iPhone. You're not a vehicle. You've got a will. And you've got to will the fact that I want the Savior getting in my spirit. I want him getting in my mind. I want to have a metamorphosis in my own spirit. I want to go from walking in darkness. Walking in fear. Walking in chaos. Walking in anxiety to soaring with peace to soaring with the love of God flowing out of my to soaring with him I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost that if you take a step of faith this morning it's not just about this moment but if you take a step of faith today it's going to begin to Start a fresh cocoon process in your life where God's going to start reorganizing things. He's going to start breaking down some things. And when brokenness comes, don't get angry. Just stay submitted to God because what you don't understand is that that brokenness is actually trying to reorganize things in your spirit. It's trying to bring hope. It's trying to bring restoration. It's trying to bring peace. It's trying to bring a calling into your life. Let God start a new process in you. Where he makes all things new. If you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, because those aren't that is not a name. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And if you have not done that yet, that's your first step in the process. But if you have been baptized in the name of Jesus, you need to come to this altar and you need to be honest with God and say, God, I'm asking you right now to remove some stuff. I'm not gonna let the corruption of the adversary in disguise keep me from you, Jesus. It starts with honesty. It starts with submitting your heart to God. You can go into a new nature today. Begin to start that process. But you got to make a decision. Your pastor can't make that decision for you. Myself right now preaching to you, I can't make I can lead you to the water. I can lead you to the revelation of transformation. But you got to want it. You got to desire it. You've got to choose it. The world is full of chaos. The world is full of brokenness. 
The enemy's disguising himself. But there's deliverance in this place. The reason there's not a great flow of emotion is because emotion's not a de- decision is not emotion. Decision is not an emotion. That's why I'm thankful, God. I'm thankful we're not hanging from the rafters and running right now because it would help you to continue to hide in your chaos. I'm glad there's not a lot of emotion because a decision, that's faith. Faith is a decision. I want to be new. I want to be changed from the inside out. I want that Holy Ghost power to work and transform my heart and my mind. I don't want there, I don't believe God wants there to be a lot of emotion because then that can keep you getting all emotional but not really making a decision. God is driving you to a decision of transformation. It starts with honesty. You can have it. You can let him reorganize in you. But you got to submit to it. You got to submit to it. Come on, he wants your heart. He wants your heart. He's not just interested in your actions. He's not just interested in what you wear, how you appear. He wants you to change your identity. He wants to change your identity. He wants to make you new. There's a cry for change. There's a cry for change. But we can't change the world. If we don't first let him change us. We can never be the change to the world, to the people around us, unless we first let him change us. Come on, it's a decision. It's an everyday decision. Every day it's a decision. I want to be new. God, humble my mind. Help me to be meek. Help me to have grace. Reorganize me in your cocoon. Cocoon. After the waters of baptism, the cocoon is that place of prayer. It's that place of intimacy with Jesus. It's in that place of intimacy where he begins to reorganize the stuff in your spirit. He begins to take those habits and he begins to change them in the place of prayer. It's in that cocoon of prayer where I'm spending time with God. And he begins to alter my mind. He begins to alter my outlook. He begins to alter my vision. We've got to fall in love with the cocoon that he's called us to be in. Some cocoons are seasonal where you're going to go into a cocoon he's going to break you out and he's going to say, I need you to go back into a new cocoon. I need you to go back into a new cocoon because I got to reorganize some new things. I got to reorganize some other stuff to help you fly higher, to go farther. There's always cocoons in our different seasons, but it's the prayer life. It's the prayer life. It's the time of intimacy with Jesus where he really changes me. This altar is not the end all be all. It's the start of a decision, but the decision continues in your altar at home. It continues in your altar in your closet. It continues in the altar of your guest room bedroom. It continues in the altar of your living room. It continues. 
I'm telling you, the love of God is in this place. He's transforming some minds right now. He's speaking to some people right now. He's telling you what you need. telling you there's another brother bray just confirmed it there's another wave of the holy ghost and god is waiting on some of you in his great mercy and patience if you come to this altar i don't care if you come to church here for the last 45 years every single one of us needs to be transformed on a regular basis you need to make your way to this altar lift your hands and let god do a work in your life there's something god still wants to do in this place Brother Bray just confirmed it. There's people in this place that God is still moving on. God is still working on, but you've got to make a decision. God knows you love him. That's not the problem. God loves you too. But God loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you in chaos. He doesn't want to leave you in frustration. He doesn't want to leave you in your brokenness. He wants to change you wants to transform you. Uh, I'm telling you, there's another wave of the Holy Ghost that's about to hit this place. It's sweeping from side to side, from front to back, because as you make a decision, God begins to respond. Change me, Jesus. Make me new, God. The same restoration that was there at the waters of baptism. The same restoration is in this place and you can have it. You can have it. You can have it. Be restored in Jesus' name. Anxiety, you've got to go. Anxiety, you've got to go.
I'm talking about insecurity. Insecurity is being destroyed. Insecurity. We got people in this place that are so powerful, so anointed, but you live in insecurity. You live with a lack of self-worth. God wants to destroy that and build it back up with his own worth. He wants to build it back up with confidence in the Holy Ghost. Confidence in his spirit. Let him breathe on you. When he breathed on Adam, in the very beginning, Adam, life came into his being. When he breathes on you, life enters in. We're destroying the disguise. We're destroying the strongholds. We're destroying the lies. We're destroying the deception. The adversary has no hold upon me. He's got no hold upon me. The prince of this world cometh, but he's got nothing in me. He's got nothing in me. He's got nothing in me. He's got nothing in me.